the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So today is Septuagesima Sunday. So this is our pre-Lenten warm-up that's been built into the traditional calendar. So this is a good time to start thinking about our resolutions for Lent. Now, you may have already had New Year's resolutions, and if you've had those, here's a chance to start again. The parable of the workers in the vineyard sometimes is very simply interpreted in terms of social justice. We tend to think of it as a commentary on economics. But when we dive deeper into this scripture, I think we'll find something a little bit different and with deeper meaning. So the situation that our Lord lays out in the parable is a familiar one to the people of his time. So the harvest for grapes was in late September. And after that, the rain season would soon follow. So to harvest the grapes was a very narrow window. So for a landowner who has a vineyard, to harvest the grapes at the proper time means that there is a narrow window in which this needs to be accomplished in order to maximize the profit that he wishes to get from his harvest. So he needs to apply labor in a small window and to get as much labor as possible so he can get his harvest. Now, in the marketplace, there would have been workers who would have been freelance laborers who are working each, each day looking for work. We might even be familiar with this concept because we know that many of our Hispanic brethren do this on Broad Street, for example, in Falls Church. They're right across the street in West Broad Street, there's a group of workers, typically um, of our Hispanic brethren, who are waiting for work and waiting for usually a construction crew who needs an extra hand to come by to pick her up a day laborer. So this concept is not even new to us. It's, it's, it's amazing how more things change, the more they stay the same. So this householder is now going to the marketplace, and he gets his first batch of workers very early in the morning, typically probably around 6 a.m. in the morning. That's the first hour. And then, of course, he goes, continues to go back to the marketplace, thinking, I'm, I need more labor. I have to get these grapes harvested. And he goes there at noon, and he comes back later. He comes back at 5 o'clock, and even later than that, he comes and gets all of the labor he can. Now, what's interesting is the parable then says that each worker is getting one day's pay, which isn't a lot. And of course, the workers are objecting, the, the, especially the 6 a.m. ones, because they're the ones who work the longest. They worked all day, and yet everyone is gearing, getting a wage for a full day's pay. So what is, who is Jesus talking to, and why is this being done this way? So he uses the image of the vineyard, which we know is a familiar image for for Israel, for the kingdom of God. It first came to us in the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
where Israel is compared to a vineyard. And of course, Jesus is going to use the same imagery of the vineyard later in later on when he's in the temple talking to the chief priests. And he's going to talk about a different story about the vineyard, but we'll save that for later. So we know that the vineyard is, right, this is the kingdom of God. This is the, either we're talking about Israel, or more generally, we're talking about the entire world. This is the mission field. Now, in, now he speaks, he's speaking specifically to his Jewish audience. Because, of course, they look down on the Gentiles. Because they know they have the belief in the one true God. And there's this sort of feeling of superiority to those who don't believe as they do. But what Jesus is telling them is that there's a time coming when they too will be offered salvation. They too will be invited to the table of the, of the kingdom of God. We see an example of this with the centurion whose servant is healed. He says that not, he hasn't seen that kind of faith in all of Israel. And it was a Roman centurion who had the kind of faith that would trust that Jesus could heal his servant without even him being in his presence. And so this is kind of a warning saying, don't get on your high horse about being number one in the kingdom of God. Because everyone is going to be invited to the table. That the covenant is now going to be expanded, renewed, through his passion, death, and resurrection, deepened as well. And then that covenant is going to be, going to be offered to the entire world, to Jew and Gentile alike. Now, for us, what does this mean for, for in our day? And what, how well could we sort of look at this uh, parable and say, what, how does it apply to our modern day? Because, of course, you know, we're not, you know, we don't have this kind of thing. We want everybody to believe in Jesus Christ. We want everyone. We want the whole world to know about him. And it doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter, you know, where they live. We want everyone to believe in Jesus. That's why we call ourselves the Catholic Church, because it's universal. Everyone is called to receive the salvation that Christ has won for us. But we see that this householder is sending these servants, these day laborers, into the vineyard. There is ascending. And I think for us, maybe first thing we could look at is we need to recapture the understanding that each of us is sent into the vineyard. That the church is a missionary church. That its very nature is to be missionary, to proclaim the word of God and to offer, make that offer of salvation to every human being. And we participate in that mission. That is the purpose of the sacrament of confirmation. That we received not only the gift of adoption by the Holy Spirit, that we could call our God Father, but that our mission through the power of the Holy Spirit is then to go out into the world and tell everyone about the Lord Jesus Christ.
So the first thing to think about is how we are working in that vineyard. How are we responding to the graces that we receive? How are we sharing our faith with other people? And it sometimes is very intimidating to do that. We live in a world in which it is not the in thing to do to tell someone about your personal relationship with Christ. It is not the in thing to do to share your story of witness. But I think it would be good for each of us to have, at least it's sort of in our, our quiver of, of weapons of evangelization, so to speak, to have a witness story to tell people, how did I come to know Jesus? How has Jesus impacted my life? Why is it that I come to this church every Sunday to worship him, to give thanks to him, and to ask for more abundant blessings upon myself, my family, my coworkers, my friends, even to ask blessings upon those whom I disagree with or maybe I'm in conflict with? To have that, have that story prepared, to be prepared to be sent and to give that witness and to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit wherever he moves us to pray with someone, to share our faith with someone, to be ready to do that whenever the Holy Spirit has called us to do so. And what Jesus is reminding us in this parable is that our motivation to do this is to save everyone. That we should be endeavorous to work in the vineyard, not because I'm going to receive a bigger wage than another, so to speak. Not that I'm going to be a higher position in the church. You know, not that I will you know, volunteer, become in charge of a ministry, and then I'm going to be looked at with some kind of, um, you know, everyone's going to respect me because I'm doing this special ministry. That's not the motivation. He wants us to have the motivation to go out into the mission field for love. Because we know that the householder, the owner of the vineyard, is none other than God himself. And that when we respond to that grace that we've received, then we want to share that and make it known. And so our motivation to be in that mission field should be simply because we know what God has done for us and we know how much he loves us. And we want you to be part of God's family, the church, in which you can experience his healing power, his mercy, and his love. And that's what the, the people who come early, who've worked early, miss. They miss the idea that the motivation of going out into the field is for love of the landowner, not for their own gain. So even those who are late coming to the mission, we too welcome them into the fold because we all together want to be part of the church 
And we all together are helping others come to know that salvation. So that's something that we want to look at. And there's another thing that we also want to meditate on, is realize that salvation is not merited. The grace of final perseverance is not something that we've earned. Oh, thank you for the note there, whoever has the phone on. That was nice. Anyway, um, so it was like, ding, right there, made a point. Yes, yeah, so it was kind of nice. Um, okay. So, so the other thing is that we, we the, 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 the first people who came, or the, the, the 6 a.m. workers, you know, they, they've got the union rep out. They're ready to go. They're going to go. They're going to say, we demand that we get more than the other guys. The work rules are unfair. If you do this again, we will go on strike. And the, the, the householders are saying, well, look, salvation is unmerited. We even look at the example of the good thief. Jesus offers him salvation right there, one act of repentance from his sin. He turns in faith. He's being crucified next to our Lord, knowing that he is in the wrong. And he comes to faith to see that Jesus is the Son of God, and he's innocent, and he's, he's being condemned the same as us. And it was in that moment that he received salvation, because Jesus tells him in this, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, as an aside, Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says he's still a thief because he stole salvation. So often we can have the attitude that, you know, I'm doing all these things for God, I'm praying and I'm doing this and that, you know, and how, you know, but realizing that all those graces we receive, right, they don't, they don't come because we're good, they come because God is good. And so that is why we should respond in thanksgiving instead. To thank God for even the repentance of someone on their deathbed. That salvation is offered to all, even those who repent at the very last moment. And so our response should be one of joy. Thank you, Lord, for saving even those who we might deem to be unworthy, who repent at the last minute. Because you never know. You never can tell when the Lord might work in the heart of someone who's been hardened all their lives. So I think today we are being challenged by this scripture to have a pure motivation to work in the vineyard, to go out and tell the good news, and to do it with joy and to do it with thanksgiving, realizing that everything received from our Lord has been a gift and a grace.
And we thank you, Lord, today that we can be in this church and to participate in your passion, death, and resurrection so that we can be nourished by you, strengthened by you in working in your vineyard, in your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.